we are we're lucky in the sense of what we do for a living you know you are in a field that allows us the opportunity to be sensitive and to be self-aware and to realize that stereotypical masculinity is not the be-all end-all the the lessons that were that were passed on to us or the kind of the archetypes that we would have seen when we grew up are not the archetypes that kids today will see growing up that's chris mcgee and this is the yoga life podcast What's up, everybody? I don't know what accent that was. Uh, how's it going? I'm just trying to mix up my intros. Um, yeah, I'm all saying hello, how are you? It's so predictable. But uh, as you can probably tell, I'm in good humour. few reasons. Sun is shining. I'm alive. Got exciting news. Got a f- few bits of exciting news. The first one, first and foremost, is we've got Chris McGee on this week's episode, as you already know. Chris was here last year at the podcast studio slash my home with uh, his other half, Sarah. So this time I spoke with him separately. And if you're not familiar with Chris, I would say, in my opinion, he is the king of physical adjustments slash assists. If you've been to one of his workshops or classes, you know what I'm talking about. Chris is the co-head of yoga at Cycle in London. He's um, he's cool because he's big, strong fella, but ridiculously flexible at the same time. And his classes, which I've done on Fit, which is a fitness app, um, are really challenging. But um, he's very much movement-based because he actually comes from a martial arts background himself and a rugby background. So it's an interesting mix he has. Um, he's Irish. He's from the north. And uh, he's over here a lot more now teaching workshops in Dublin. So uh, me and Chris got a few things in common. We both used to train jiu-jitsu. And part of this chat goes quite deep into what it's like to be an aging man. <laughs> Two chaps, myself and Chris, getting into the deep into our 30s and uh, how that changed you as a man. So we did talk about yoga. Don't worry, you will get yoga fix. But uh, we we like to go deep, man. We we ain't scripting these things anymore. And like I did at the start, I was really cautious and careful. But now we're keeping it organic, Joe Rogan style. So um, yeah, I hope you really enjoyed this chat with Chris. But before I get into that, I'm doing this in one take. Before I get into that, I got another bit of exciting news. I got me first ever sponsor. Oh yeah, Yogaru. What does that mean? These are yoga sequencing cards by Ruth Delahunty. Now, I met Ruth yesterday. We had some tea. I had some food while she watched me eat. And uh, Ruth is based down in Black Rock. She's a yoga teacher. And she makes, I've got them here in front of me, the most beautiful sequencing cards I've ever seen. The craftsmanship, or should I say craftswomanship, of these cards is... It's beautiful, man. You just want to stroke the box. That sounds odd. But um, <laughs> let me tell you a bit more. Firstly, though, let me differentiate. Okay. You've got home-led practice, which is when you do yoga online, which is great. But then you've got your own practice, which you 
should really be figuring out for yourself. But it can be quite difficult when you're standing at the top of your mat and you've got first thing in the morning and you're like, I don't really know what to do, what to, what to put together. So Ruth has developed these cards, like I said, that are beautifully made, called 108 Asana Yoga Sequencing Cards. They make it so much more easy for you to sequence your own practice or even your own class. They've got loads of, apart from having beautiful designs, they've got loads of alignment cues, level guides, all the anatomy coding, all the Sanskrit English names, and they're um, really easy to follow. Good news for you as a yoga lifer, a yoga life listener, is you get yourself a bit of a discount. 10% off when you use the promo code Kevin while after visiting yogaroo.ie. Yes, there you go. And if you have any more, uh, you want any more information about about Ruth and Yogaroo, you can visit her Yogaroo underscore island on Instagram. So man, that's my first ever podcast reader. I feel like a proper podcaster now. Joe Rogan, eat your heart out. But um, yeah, so that's it, guys. Um, I hope you enjoy those cards. You can do a brilliant um, birthday gift or um, we just missed Valentine's. Damn it, anyway. But um, there's always a good time to be nice and give someone a beautiful box of lovely stuff. And the last bit of exciting news is that I'm I'm sponsored by Om Apparel. See, I can't even say it. I'm so excited. Um, If you've been following me for a while, you know that I wear Om's gear all the time. <laughs> in like all my photos, I'm wearing their clothing. I do wash my clothes and they do the clothing washes very well, may I say. Um, but um, I've known Om and known their founder Louis for a while now. In fact, Louis was on the podcast episode 26, if you want to have a listen to that. I flew over to London to meet him in Om Towers. And man, yeah, they were part, they're a sponsor of the podcast. So uh, if you're not familiar with Om, they make men's clothing for men that like to do yoga. And when you look at what they do, yoga's in their DNA, from everything they do. I mean, they're really, they really believe in being kind to the environment. They use sustainable recycled fabrics. They use recycled paper for their packaging. And their big focus is on men's health. And I, as you know, I really care about this subject. And I think yoga can massively help to get more men um, into looking after themselves and and look good while doing it. So all of OM's fabrics are eco-certified and in fairness, our planet can't really afford much more irresponsible manufacturing now, can it? Um, All you gotta do if you wanna look good, look after the planet, do your bit, is go to om.com forward slash the Yoga Life podcast, check out their full range of eco-active wear for men. And if you use the promo code Kevin, when you're buying your clobber, you get 15% off. I oh, know, it's great, isn't it? Not valid for clearance items. Right, let's get straight into this. Chris McGee, here we go. Enjoy. Yeah, Mike in your face, as always. Chris, hello, sir, how are you? Hello, man, I'm good, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm very well, thank you. Um, how was your coffee? It was delicious. You make an excellent, excellent brew, I must uh, say. Thank you, sir. Um, how many coffees do you drink a day? Um, Confess. <laughs> on a good day or on a bad day? Because I suppose it's like a, 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 that's the loaded question. Um, I try to not do more than two. Mm. Today's three. We had one before, taught the workshops this morning, one at lunch, and then 
one whilst I was downstairs just chilling in your lounge. Um, in the waiting room. Yeah, in the <laughs> waiting room. I try my best not to do more than two. It used to be a lot worse. Do you yeah. fast? Um, not intentionally. I've tried a bit of that before. Um, I was very strict on it maybe like two years ago. And I went through a period of kind of like trial and error with different diets, different stuff that was that was going on, you know, did a bit of vegan, tried that, saw what it, you know, felt like how did my body feel with this and, and mm. whatever else, did a bit of fasting. Um, I found it was very hard to follow depending on what your day was going on with. And mm. um, we even spoke a little bit about it downstairs. Like if you've got late classes, when do you eat? Do you eat a bit before? Do you try and wait and then eat after? And if you eat too late at night, then is that keeping you up and, mm -hmm. and whatever else? So um, yeah, Rhonda Patrick, have, um, yeah, you've listened man. to obviously Joe Rogan and, the, and a lot of the kind of the, the Dr. Rhonda Patrick stuff. Yeah. And she talks about that, um, that interval eating window mm -hmm. and the idea of like your, your clock starts the moment that you consume something that stimulates your digestion. So it's okay. like, you know, if you wake up and you just have water and whatever else, absolutely fine. As soon as you have anything and like traditionally like intermittent fasting doesn't count black tea or black coffee because it's got no calorie count. Okay. So they're like, oh, you can have a black coffee and that still doesn't break your fast where she's like, no, absolutely not. If it's anything apart from water, it's, oh. it's creating stimulation in your digestive tract oh. and that starts the window of, you know, okay, so, and mm. this is going to be slightly different for everyone. I started when I was doing it that way with her most recently 12 and 12 work down to you know 10 hour window eight hour window mm. for me i find like like anywhere between seven and nine hours was the kind of the sweet spot anything le like on the short side is a little that's when you started file like find you've got hunger pangs and stuff mm. like that going on so and also if you're tra i was thinking about your, your schedule um today or when you came over on friday like say if you've got um well, last time you were here, you had an early morning flight. Mm -hmm. If you've got an early morning flight and you're getting up at 5 a.m. and then you're going to the airport, you're flying, you know you can't eat anything on the plane, really. I mean, you don't ideally want to eat food, plain food mm -hmm. if, it's, if it's an option. At the airport, the food options are terrible. So you have to think, if I'm going to uh, the studio, get off the plane, going straight to the studio, when am I going to get a chance to eat? And yeah. I think that's why, as you say, an intermittent fasting doesn't always work. But that's that's probably like an ideal scenario why the system of this kind of like interval eating window works instead because you could break you could break it you could begin your your window at five a.m. Mm. and then you could close it you know after the eight hours or the ten hours or whatever it is or you could say no do you know what water nothing on the plane nothing when I get there nothing whilst I'm teaching but then you just have to be okay with you know with doing the longer fast yeah. I think it's also more beneficial because day to day if i'm in london and you got like a regular week like you know monday's day starts at 10 tuesday's day starts at 8 wednesday's day starts at 12 mm -hmm. you know friday morning you're teaching at 7 a.m and it's kind of like you so yeah. you won't necessarily have the ideal time to to break the fast every day so it's hard to get into that um into that routine yeah. so. and and also another another thing to consider i mean it sounds like may sound some people listen to this who aren't yoga teachers or don't do a physical job may think it sounds like a trivial matter but i i don't think it does i i'm 37 in a couple of weeks and well, you're aging well man eh? thank you sir um and um i really think that if i i have to look after myself because uh, you if you are well it's two reasons 
one, you're you want to be strong and be uh, healthy so that you can teach mm-hmm. and be and not get sick, which you know is really important. And the second thing is, I know it sounds a li- quite superficial, but sometimes if I um, see a teacher and they look healthy, I want to follow what they're saying more. If I see someone who is who is not doesn't clearly doesn't look after themselves, doesn't practice often, doesn't um, care about what they put into their body, I, I would be. Um, it wouldn't be someone that I'd want to particularly listen to what they have to say in terms of being um, healthy. Well, it's practice what you preach. You exactly. Yes, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a big proponent of that myself where I think like it's it's one of my real concerns um, for new teachers is that because obviously when you when you start teaching so much, your personal practice just goes mm-hmm. <laughs> out the window, you know, and we've all been there. Like I remember whenever I was teaching, first of all, and you, you all you want is to get your reps in. You want to, you want to build your, your, um, experience level of teaching. So you take on all the cover, yeah, all yeah, of the yeah, things yeah. like, yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll do that. I'll run over there. I'll yeah. do the, I'll do the 6am. I'll do the 9pm. I'll do like, I'll do it all. And then you find out like, oh, I haven't actually practiced in like three weeks or four weeks or mm-hmm. something like that. And you almost lull yourself into the sense where you, you forget what it's like to be a student. Yes. You almost, Great point. You, you almost forget how the practice feels in your body sometimes. And to just be able to take it take a step back, to go back to practice and going back to doing the thing that, that brought you to the to the role in the first place. Yeah. Can influence your teaching in such a way that it gives it a real level of authenticity. Because if you stand up and do triangle pose you feel what it's like in your body and you feel mm-hmm. what, where you want your engagement to be you and you can you can you can bring a fresh kind of like approach to it so it's not like a regurgitation of the same cue that i give you every time mm-hmm. then you think like last time i did this it felt like this yes. so maybe i'm going to throw some of that at them and see if that provokes something different in the pose this time because that's what came to me in that moment so maybe it'll come to the students in that moment as well and i th- i think that like keeping that connection to doing what like doing what you say you do because the aim is always like we're like yes you have to practice yoga like it's you know obviously we're in that business but like if it was anything let's say it's not yoga for example let's say it's mm-hmm. you know a running coach who's like listen you want to get the miles up for the marathon i'm going to need you to do five runs a week mm-hmm. and you say oh are you running the marathon this year and they go nah 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 no, <laughs> like, no no time for that exactly. or whatever it is and not to say that you have to be smashing yourself with a practice all the time, but I think that there's there is a, definitely something to be said about the credibility of mm-hmm. if you're still doing it, if you're still putting the work in, mm-hmm. even though it's a process, if you're still putting the work in yourself, there is an extra level of um, credibility to be taken from from what you say in yeah. that case. Hundred percent. I'm so glad you said that because I have recently had a massive breakthrough with handstand and splits. Yeah, massive. I mean. I couldn't, I never practiced the splits ever. I just didn't do it. I, I just thought um, it's something I just won't do it. I don't really see it that much in class and uh, you know, whatever, I, I abandoned it. And handstand, I was intimate with it. Sometimes I practiced. And then I realized doing the splits in a handstand, mm-hmm. as in learning what my legs were doing, yep. gave me so much more control. I'm, I'm not kidding you, Chris. My handstand in the last like, month has come on leaps and bounds because I've I've had a bit of a breakthrough. But also, I feel like my teaching has come on leaps and bounds. I feel it has anyway because I, I'm I'm like so in, I've, I'm, my enthusiasm is, enthusiasm is on another level 
now because I'll, I'll say, you know, yesterday I was doing this and I notice if I actually point my toes, the day before I was flexing my toes, but if I point them and I can see people looking at me and they're really, they're getting excited because I'm excited. As Absolutely. A, as opposed to, okay, we're just going for the motions. It's more like... It changes the energy in the room. Definitely. Your engagement in what's happening for the student forces extra engagement from them. Yeah. Your extra, like, attention to detail creates more presence mm -hmm. like they can't help but be captivated by your energy because we all feed off each other's energy all the time so mm -hmm. it's like when you're actually giving it when you're actually like yes i'm here and like oh and it's, a, <laughs> it's that goosebump moment where you're like oh this is amazing this thing that i'm sharing with you and they feel it mm -hmm. even if even if they're like oh well i don't want to learn to do that or whatever it is there's something it changes the it changes the vibe of a class if the student is receptive to that yeah and, and also it's changed my mentality because sometimes we have this 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 um outlook that as we get older we get worse at things we forget things we get less fit less flexible less strong but so, you know we we think that um age means you're gonna regress uh, regress thank you mm -hmm. um but i have realized now that i had a narrative in my head which or an internal monologue which is very much like handstand's not really for me you know i can maybe once in a blue moon come up to one but uh I, I but it's like everything in life that you tell yourself you can't do something and i have um tried to tell this to people that um we give ourselves these stories in our heads that i'm not this kind of person because we just haven't persisted at something enough and what's kind of reinforced my enthusiasm now is that in the last three weeks or so or month that i've been teaching handstand almost every day i have seen people say no, I, I can't do a handstand. And I say, have you ever tried? No. Well, let's give it a go together. We use the wall. And they do it, and they're buzzing. And they're, my buzz has made them buzz, and they've made me buzz. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a lot of buzzing. <laughs> that's, that's, but it's, then you see that breakthrough in people. 100%. And I mean, that's part of the joy of, of sharing the practice with other people, is yeah. that you've you felt it, hopefully, from the student perspective, whenever these, whenever these things became unlocked, whenever this, this happened. And then the elation that you felt you shared with your teacher. Mm -hmm. And now that you get a chance to facilitate this stuff to, to someone else, mm -hmm. you then get to share their joy. It's like rediscovering it for the first time. Like, yeah. you know, think about the first time you ever stuck a handstand yeah. and what your reaction was like. And then you get to experience that moment with someone else exactly. who's, who's sticking it for the first time. And it just takes you right back there. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's the beautiful part of it all. Oh man, it's, it's really, it's, it's been a game changer for me. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit because this is something I, I made a few notes here that I wanted to, um, to ask you. Oh. And uh, one of them was, um, I did your class on online. Oh, yeah, sweet. man. Yeah, 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 yeah of course. Yeah. I did a couple of them. Yeah, you did it so, on Fit. Nice. Yeah, man. So I wanted to ask you about what it is like to teach online compared to, say, we've just been talking about the you share something, you get the buzz, the mm. buzz back, and people are bouncing into each other. But what, what's it like when you're in front of a camera? And there's, I mean, what, what's explained to me like what is. Is there one person there, a crew there? Or there's, there's, a full, there's a full crew. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's a full crew. What's so like? um, so first of all, if anyone hasn't, oh, yeah. uh, I'll explain. Yes. So I um, work with um, an app called Fit, F-I-I-T. Um, 
if anyone is listening to this and you want to go, they have a free version. There's a link in the bio on my Instagram. You can go in and uh, and check it out. They do a spectrum of classes. So they do like Pilates, yoga stuff, but they also um, do a lot of cardio classes, strength classes, stuff like that. It's a, it's an amazing platform. Um, and yeah, they've got a, they launched a free version recently. They're currently the number one rated fitness app in the app store. Nice. Which I, yeah, which one of the founders texted me on, uh, on Thursday to tell me because they had just got their kind of like, um, review in from January. Um, yeah, it's a weird setup. The first couple of times you do it for sure. (laughs) Um, you go in, there's, you know, four or five cameras, um, there's two or three camera operators. There's a sound guy. There's, um, the, the Mitra, who's like the head of production who kind of like oversees and looks after everything. There is, um, the copywriters that are there to help, um, for like, keywords like you know so once you as soon as you finish your class they'll be over and they'll say like okay like what level was that class for what was it targeting specifically is there any kind of like key phrases or keywords which you think would help people to identify that this is the class that they want to tick today so there's all that kind of stuff that goes on off the back of it um Hmm. when you film it's you and it's dead silence. Yeah. Um, Why is that like? So yeah, it's 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 a little off-putting. So <laughs> sometimes they'll give you um, in some of the classes you see, I have an earpiece. Yeah. Um, in which they because like as well in terms of timings, like there is a clock that's running, but it's sometimes when I'm, if I'm teaching a class, I have a playlist that is timed a certain way. So I'll know when I hear a certain song, I'm like, okay, like I'm like 15 minutes in or when I hear the the vibe of the music change from this to this, I'm like, okay, now I'm starting to bring people down a little bit. We've kind of like, we're now we're coming towards the, the cooling section of our flow or what, you know, or whatever it happens to be. Now I want to bring them to seated or I have a playlist planned out that way. So I don't, I don't wear a watch when I teach. Yeah. I don't check the time or I very rarely check the time either on a clock or, or on my phone or whatever. I try to just let the path of the playlist guide me as to where I am mm-hmm. within what I'm doing. Yeah. And that same thing then happens. They said like, if you want to make a playlist, you can, we can give you the earpiece and you can use the playlist, but obviously no one else can hear the music. Um, they're currently in negotiations for a uh, a deal with a I don't know if I'm allowed to say who, yeah, <laughs> but they're, enough, yeah. but they're they're currently in negotiations with a deal for um, the rights to a large music library, mm. um, and if that goes through, then basically they'll be able to add whatever my playlist is to the class, pretty right. much identically, so you can hear exactly what I hear. At the minute, they're using royalty free music over the top of of whatever it is but that's getting added in later so yeah. i can't hear necessarily what the music that oh, they're using see, at yeah. the time um yeah so uh, so you've got a big clock then up that they sh- have you got a clock up say over the camera that you can see how two, yeah two big tvs so uh, one sort of like if you imagine like as i say like hey what's up like i look straight down there's there's two cameras straight in front of me yeah. there's one big tv to my right there's one big tv to my left okay. there's another camera over on like the far left hand side and then there's a camera directly overhead yeah okay. so and then in the edit they can choose as and when they want to sort of cut between the four of those things hmm. um yeah it's odd the first yeah. couple of times you do it it feels a little uh, alien because exactly like you said you don't receive any direct feedback yeah the other thing that you notice is like, wow, I talk a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, because when you practice, I hope when you practice, you breathe, right? Um, and it's one of the it's one of the things that I'm always 
feel that I'm reiterating to my students is that like, you know, connect the movement and the breath together, involve the pranayama more and more in your practice as a means to um, enhance the experience. You know, the breath is the thing that takes you deeper into the pose rather than the next variation. It's not about physically moving it on it's about changing the gear of it with you know with your breathing it's the catalyst for change mm -hmm. um and i really do believe that and if i'm practicing of course i'm breathing and if i'm teaching i'm talking and now all of a sudden i'm talking every single pose and doing every single pose mm. and not breathing at all yeah that's difficult so man. yeah so every, yeah so every class mm -hmm. is me going okay, and I just bring the foot forward and then he'll bring your arms up to the sky and then this and this and this and focus on this and focus on this and this and this and whatever. And I was sweating buckets. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, and like we finished and I was like, oh, wow. And I filmed probably like four in a day normally. Uh -huh. So, the, and there's probably another trainer there with me as well. Um, so we'll kind of alternate backwards and forwards. So I'll be on set for a full day yeah. um, and I'll film for you know, 60 or 90 minutes or whatever it is. And then we switch and okay. then I'll have a little rest and then I'll go back in and do it again. But you think by the yeah. time you get to class number three or class number four of the day, <laughs> it's pretty, uh, it's pretty full on. Yeah. That that's cause I might be doing, um, a filmed class, um, where someone's just going to film me teaching class. Mm -hmm. And have you taught with, have you taught to camera with, with people, I mean, students? Yes. What's that like? As in, like, is the if the camera's moving around? I suppose you've got a. Did you look into the camera? Um, or was it like more like third person? You weren't talking straight to the camera, were you? No, I I sort of like introduced. I was like, hey, like, how's it going to the camera? Yeah. Um, and then I just began the class, and okay. then they were sort of like the voyeur. Voyeur, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Like observing what was going on. And then, it, the you know the queuing was for the student body, and even if it was someone watching mm. on camera and who was participating in the class at the same time, my hope would be that they would assume the role of a student in the room. So if I'm just teaching the students in the room, that will be of equal benefit to the people that are watching from yeah. a distance. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, close the class, and then just and then just close to the camera as well, just kind of like. Thank, thank the people here for joining and at the know, end, and yeah, and thank everybody for joining. Yeah, that's yeah. Because I'm thinking about how to like, you know, trying to find the camera to then look at it while teaching. Maybe that's not a good idea. Probably to, not. You know, no, I would, I would think. Um, yeah, from my experience, I just sort of like acknowledged it at the start, taught the class, acknowledged it at the end, kind yeah. of just it just sort of like bookended whatever else was going on. Because, what's the what is the purpose of the filming? What are you trying to? What's it for? Well, it's a great question. Um, I think the most powerful content you can have is video of you teaching mm -hmm. or after that photographs of you teaching. And it's really to, as a promotional piece to say like, so I'm going to do it as like a charity event and say, um, you can come along. It's going to be for charity, but uh, it's going to be filmed. So, and I'm working with a videographer who wants to do more of this, this type of um, work and so we just thought well let's try this um and uh i am i'm i'm yeah i'm interested in kind of um doing more more of that type of media because photographs are great but they're they don't give you a sense of 
is the person actually what they what are they like teaching yeah. you know um but it's um what was your what was your content used for um a lot of the time it was um like it like uh facebook live videos for oh. people for people to join in remotely from you know whatever it was so that's a good idea i did a series of them with um men's health and then yeah. uh, i did another couple of bits and pieces with um the boys of yoga yes yeah. so yeah so we did a we did a, a a piece for boys of yoga through yeah i think in I can't remember, oh that one was through uh huffington post Oh, cool. Yes, yeah. that's, that's actually how I first uh, heard about you was through Boys of Yoga. But um, you, you haven't done much of them lately, have you? Or is Michael doing the Just Breathe thing? Michael is doing everything. The, doing every- yeah. oh, man, that case is a beast. The dude is 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 got to be like the the has the craziest schedule of anyone I know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's killing it. Just Breathe is really taking off the uh, the mindfulness, the mass meditation um, side of things. So I'm getting a little bit more involved with that. I still do a lot of um, boys projects with him as and when they come up. So okay. yeah, he reached out to me last week about about two or three things that's happening um, this year, and he just says like, "Hey, like I've you know I've got some things. These are the dates, or you're around, and if I'm around, then then I always love to get involved with him." Yeah. So yeah, last year I was in um, I was in Budapest. I did a couple of London-based events for him. Mm. I can't remember if we traveled anywhere else and did any other workshops last year. But yeah, as of, as and when they come up. But he's got such an extensive crew, so it's nice to um, it's nice to rotate yeah. people at the same time. Mate, he's got like, he's um, I've been speaking to him about. He's going to come on the podcast um, soon, hopefully. Um, but he's got the best taste. That guy, like, he's got an eye for design. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. I, I love looking at his stuff. He's just he's even his website because it's so tastefully done. He has his own style, and um, I think that that makes a big difference in terms of how if you can uh, kind of communicate your message well. I think that's a that is a, a real skill. You know, it shows that um, you're a good teacher I've, I've done some of these classes in a day as well um again switching gears i wanted to ask you about frc before, oh. I, for, before I forget because yeah. i want to study frc mm. um i've seen your thing on uh, instagram cramp city oh cramp city <laughs> cramp city yeah uh, so, so when did you do the frc thing when was the course last week oh it was just last week yeah i did it last week so it was like how was it a one day thing or something uh, yeah two days okay. yeah two days it went up to uh liverpool the, yeah, they're doing it at a spot up just outside of Liverpool at the minute. Um, it's like a eight till six Saturday, mm-hmm. s- Saturday, Sunday type deal. Mm-hmm. Um, very good. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. It sort of took me back to my PT days a little bit. It's very um, science based. It's very anatomically focused. Um, yeah, it, I found it incredibly interesting. Mm-hmm. They're a little bit. Uh, like a, f- a smidge dogmatic. <laughs> oh, really? Um, yeah, well, I mean... It, were they saying, were they kind of against passive stretching? or, or what were they Oh, doing? I mean, well, there was, there was a, a small chunk of time of like shitting on yoga. But again, it, oh. the, the perception of yoga is in the kind of like floppy, relaxed sort of yoga. And I was I'm like, Sarah and I were both there and we, we both ended up saying like, a, I think it was during the lunch break on the first day, it was like, I feel like he's not talking about the type of yoga that we teach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like he's talking about a, about a type of yoga that he's maybe experienced once upon a time that yeah. isn't necessarily um, modern Western yoga because pretty much everybody I know is very, very much activation focused, mm-hmm. and the practice is becoming 
very mobility oriented as well. And I think everyone has a, if not necessarily their terminology or their uh, means of expression of mm-hmm. certain things. I feel like there's a lot of people who are doing this stuff, but just without quite realizing that they're doing it mm-hmm. or not to the level of detail or the level of extent that, that these guys are doing mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah. And they're just a little bit, it's just a little bit, you know, same with any system. Mm-hmm. This is, this is the way. Yeah. This is our way. So this is the way, and this mm-hmm. is what you're here to learn. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like, you know, cool. Yeah. That's, that's fair enough. I, I mean, I can understand why they would say that, but, mm-hmm. but, um, since I've been teaching handstands a lot, I've been doing a lot of hamstring opening and I've realized that very rarely do I do hamstring flexion, just like isolated hamstring flexion, the same way I would do a bicep curl. Mm-hmm. And I've started to do some FRC for my hamstrings. And man, I, I just think there's so much room for that in a yoga class to keep balanced. I've, e- I've even started teaching um hip compression you know hip, those hip drills mm-hmm. and it's actually quite entertaining to see people's reactions because <laughs> you're like lift your heel and then people start laughing because they think why can't my heel lift or, or it's like it's impossible yeah yeah exactly um and then you can now say welcome to cramp city <laughs> yeah. like, i just yeah. do your yeah. line i must say yeah <laughs> yeah man um yeah i think there's so so just because I want to do the FRC thing, the two-day thing you did, is that like a foundation for FRC or is it kin stretch? So uh, there's they have like a different setup system. So kin stretch is a different training. So they have uh, FRS, functional range systems, is their, is their sort of umbrella. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then within that they have FR or FRR, which is functional range and functional range release, which is specifically for um therapists like fit like physical therapists rehabilitators like things like that designed more for the north american market it's obviously slightly different the way that we label things in in europe um and then you have frc which is the functional range conditioning that then is applicable to uh coaches teachers already qualified people in whatever respective field so i would imagine that it was like 90 percent personal trainers, uh-huh. um, CrossFit coaches, uh, people of that nature that were in attendance of the course, and then maybe like 10% yogis who sort of had a, an interest in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then outside of that, they have kin stretch, which is the next kind of, if you imagine, the next step along. So you have to have mm-hmm. processed through FRC. You, once you've completed that course, then you can like move on to attending the kin stretch course. FRC is very much about you your individual movement or individual coaching on a one-to-one basis and kin stretch is then your ability to t- take kinetic stretching um think something like an active pigeon pose mm-hmm. driving into the front shin back leg lifted being able to fold and come back up yep. without losing the the hips to the floor mm-hmm. um that would be like a kinetic stretch mm. so then they have a system that's designed around incorporation of all of their frc stuff pails rails cars yeah they, they love an acronym as well like oh, yeah. they're all about the abbreviations <laughs> um so they have a, a class that's designed around that and then they teach you the methodology of teaching that class and then they license you to be a kin stretch instructor okay. so you can use that as the label and then you can t- lead those classes which right. are kind of yeah man there's a lot to, there's a lot to learn then i mean um the but i think the frc is is a great place to start i mean that's as soon as they come to Dublin, I'm definitely going to do it because mm-hmm. um, I think, I think I don't know if you agree with this, but long-term health, I think m- mobility, learning how to move your joints in and of themselves is so important. 
Yeah, I think. And I think not enough people re- realize that maybe. And I think, well, the word mobility, they actually, st- funnily enough, they started the weekend with this. They, they on, the, on the, the PowerPoint presentation that they give you, they like define, you know, they're like, people talk about mobility incorrectly all the time. Like, oh yeah, like I've, you know, I'm, I'm working on my mobility at the minute. And it's like, are you though? Because it kind of looks like you're just stretching for no purpose or you're stretching passively mm. with no intention of ever gaining control of that range. And their whole thing is about active, be active and in control. Yeah. I can choose to articulate this joint without mm. the use of my other joints or I yes. can choose to activate and be isometrically strong in every single part of my range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, And because of that, um, again, they talked a lot about injury, sports injuries, or like sports-specific training. The dude that led it was BJJ Black Belt. So he was like, apologies. He was like, if, if you don't have any interest in jiu-jitsu, but I'm going to refer back to jiu-jitsu all the time because that's my thing. It's not <laughs> Andrea Spina, is it? Andrea Spina is the creator, the course creator. But yeah, the... the He's a the, black belt as well in jiu-jitsu, isn't he? I think, I think he is, yeah. yeah. But um, Dewey Nielsen is the is the guy that uh, was leading the, the course that I was on. Okay. Um, yeah, and he's another BJJ black belt. And he was kind of like, you know, he's like, think about this movement. So if, if I'm doing it, he's like, if I'm doing this in jujitsu and then I'm doing this and this and this, well, I need this and I need this and I need this. And this is the sport specific kind of element of what it is. So mm-hmm. if I have an athlete that can't do X, I'm going to train them to do this, this and this. And that's the process of how they're then going to, he's all about increase the capacity of your joint Mm-hmm. beyond the space required for whatever your sport is mm-hmm. and never get injured. Mm. So he's like, if your load exceeds your capacity, mm-hmm. injury. If I bring your load back up to the level of your capacity, mm-hmm. re-injury. He said, if I'm able to take your capacity greater than the extent of what your load will ever be, joint health forever. Mm. And that's their kind of like... That must have been handy for you because it happens like... Um being a, a jiu-jitsu practitioner to have those references that he was making it makes a lot of sense yeah, yeah. i mean it's nice it's nice to then be able to go like oh yeah of course when you're kamuring someone or like you know because it, <laughs> yeah. it sticks in your head yeah it sticks in your head it's easy to identify but they're also he was quite he was quite diverse and he was able to say they would do a lot of work with professional sports teams in america they're dealing a lot with baseball players they're dealing a lot with basketball players mm. and even though those are sports that aren't necessarily applicable to us in the uk or or people were there from sort of all over europe um you still get what he's talking about you know Mm -hmm. even even if you've never played baseball you understand the mechanics of watching someone throw a ball Mm. and it's like yeah you like you weren't designed to do that ten thousand times in a row of course you weren't designed to only with your right arm sling it back over and over and over again Mm -hmm. and fire the ball as fast as you can to try and get someone to hit it with a bat or whatever Mm -hmm. so of course these guys are all suffering from wild external rotation and Mm -hmm. a change of the fibers of their shoulder joint so then getting them to do something like this or something like this like talking about internal rotation of the Mm -hmm. arm he's like that's almost impossible for them Mm -hmm. so he's like we're trying to retrain that joint back to healthy function Mm -hmm. so that they don't end up messed up like a year down the line or whatever so Mm -hmm. So it's, 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 it's almost like then FRC is is a tool to make you better at this your what you do most like your your dedicated sport. He's they quoted Andrea Ospina and they said the aim of FRC is to make shit work nice. <laughs> it's, <laughs> Poetry. It's, yeah, I know, right? It's, I I find it particularly funny. Probably, I really like him. Probably actually. my crude brain. Yeah, no, I really like him. I've seen him in interviews and I love the way he's so. I, I t- he's just real blunt and just very it, it really insightful but 
in a non-flowery way. And I really like that. Yeah, there's a certain again. I'm 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 a fan of directness when it mm. comes to to delivery of a lot of that stuff, um, and that's the way that I like to learn. I respond well to that. So uh, yeah, very similar to yourself. Like when I saw their stuff and I and I connected with their languaging mm-hmm. as well as I'm you know I agree I agree in principle with their with their philosophy of why they're doing what they're doing in terms of like bulletproofing your bro- your body almost you know you're making everything as as controlled mm-hmm. as possible and increasing the capacity of everything as much as as you possibly need mm-hmm. in order to make sure that you never injure yourself mm-hmm. so yeah I'm all for it because I think that there can be definitely such a thing as mindless yoga people who do go to do the same thing every single day the same movements um i'm not going to talk about any particular disciplines but just the same movements without asking themselves why and i know um i wanted to actually ask you because last time we were here we talked about this but we didn't actually record it and it, about jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. because you were practicing jiu-jitsu for a while are you still practicing i would love to tell you that i'm practicing on a regular basis i haven't rolled in about four months because sorry ross <laughs> <laughs> it, um i mean apart from being very busy like um why'd you stop <laughs> it's because it, i because i stopped oh did you after training for two two and a half years i stopped okay i don't do it at all now only recently and so i'm just curious as to why so i would say like my 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 jujitsu journey has not been in any way consistent Mm. Um, which has been somewhat to the detriment of my progress. However, Ross Nichols, my coach, would be the first person to tell you that I'm better than I should be for the for the amount of training that I do because I have body control from another discipline. Mm-hmm. So, just purely for the fact of being able to move myself really well. Yeah. Because you know, yoga is jujitsu for one, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. In, in, uh, I can't remember who said that. It's like a, there's like a quote. Joe Rogan. Was it, was it he's Joe? actually yoga is like a martial art against yourself. A martial art against yourself. Yeah, there you go. So <laughs> like, so it's, um, yeah, so there is, there is a lot of crossover, obviously, and having good body awareness and good body control translates into then having body awareness and body control of how to manipulate someone else's body at the same time. Um, yeah, I kept getting injured <laughs> whenever I first started just because, you know, you're inexperienced, you don't know what's going on, you more than likely are in a, a beginner's class full of other people who are inexperienced and don't know what's going on. Yeah. Or you get a couple of people who just happen to be a bit aggro or a bit mm-hmm. ego filled or whatever it is. And, and they're going hard that one day. And then, you know, you're on the receiving end of it. So they put something on too quick. And you don't mm-hmm. get a chance to tap and you hyperextend your elbow or like, you know, whatever it happens to be. So I ended up with a couple of nasty injuries the first probably within the first year of me doing it which meant i had to take some time off when i went back and then i just started to be a bit smarter about who i was training with and Mm. and how hard i was pushing myself and i was just kind of like do i need it do i not need it the last big thing that i did was um i competed um which was just uh, it was an enlightening experience let me say um because i kind of learned that i don't have the fire for that anymore is the is the the easiest way to kind of put that like when i was younger and i would have played sport all the time it would have taken me no time to to amp myself up for competition Mm. i'd have i'd have loved to you know i played a lot of rugby when i was younger so i'd have loved to have gone and like big hits smashed people like done whatever else and this i just find like oh like i just i i couldn't i couldn't um 
like provoke that Mm. that level of controlled aggression within myself that was needed in order to execute in a jiu-jitsu competition the way that i the way that i probably should have so Mm. i was kind of like okay competition is probably not for me then so if i go back to doing it i'm just going to go back to doing it for for fun and enjoyment um and yeah and then sort of end of last year i was moved i moved studios so i uh, i went and i became the head of a of a different studio in london um called cycle they yep. yeah they well like we spoke about it before they've just opened up a a huge 52 person yoga space in uh in mortimer street in mm. oxford circus in london so That's amazing it's a yeah so it's been a big exciting new challenge to go across um and to and to lead up that team with um with my co-head of yoga Gemma. so i've just kind of been heavily invested in doing a lot of that and you know ultimately we use our bodies for work mm-hmm, yeah. and uh, you know first and foremost before anything else you you know we, we kicked this off you said about nutrition and you know we were talking about diets or fasting or whatever it is and and about how you have to take care of yourself you have to take care of what you put into yourself 100 percent. you also have to be smart about what you do and if i choose to go and roll four times a week and then all of a sudden i've got an issue with my neck or you know something silly happens like someone breaks my finger or something like that then it's like oh someone just broke my finger okay if i was to go back and sit at a desk no dramas strap Mm -hmm. it to the one next to it all good Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. how do you teach handstands if you've got a broken hand exactly you know and that's and that's your livelihood yeah i mean big part of it like obviously you can instruct like adam husler did when he broke his i think he broke his leg broke his leg yeah Yeah. louis bike (laughs) louis Louis dropped his motorbike on him yeah (laughs) sorry about that Mm -hmm. um and you can do that but that's a freak accident these things happen it wasn't and i actually want to go back to something which you touched on and this is for me this is a really interesting subject um about the fire um that you lost when i i've competed in the uh, three jiu-jitsu competitions and um i tr- when i was competing with them i trained i was the first person in the gym i was like there early i was i was um because i had in the back of mind oh in in three months this is happening in two months it's happening oh it's only a week away i need to be going every single day so i trained like crazy and then when i did the competitions i felt sick all day i felt really sick and i um i, mean, I started training jiu-jitsu at like 34 that's pretty old you know mm-hmm. um and uh i felt sick all day and I, the whole day i was thinking why am i doing this well i actually don't know why i'm doing it yeah and then i got in there there was no one old enough i was the oldest geezer there so like i was there with i had no one in my age category so i had to compete against 18 19 year olds these guys all fired up and like you know um really up for it and i was kind of not that up for it i wanted to do well but i didn't have the aggression in me to be honest yeah yeah and i think what happens i don't know i'm interested to what you think about this but i think as men as we get older we get a bit more nurturing we get a bit like you know i live with my girlfriend now i'm a lot more thoughtful and considerate and maybe a bit more sensitive and when i'm training with someone i i don't want to hurt them but before when I was younger, I, I wouldn't, like when I was playing football, I'd go in for a hard tackle and think, great, I if he limped away, I'd, a part of me would be like proud that I hurt someone, yeah. which I feel kind of ashamed to say that now. But um, I think, I can only speak for men because I am a man, that men change from their 20s to their 30s. What would you think about that? I 100% agree. Yeah. 100% agree. I would have had the exact same mindset playing rugby. The aim was to win, but if I could hurt you in the process 
you know, if I'm there to win the ball and I can, but I can also like give you a little shoulder dip and, and you, and you come out clutching your ribs or, yeah, or like you come out with an extra bang that you, that is then going to inhibit you for the rest of the game and give me a, a, an upper hand. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And I felt the exact same way. Like, yeah, you know, to, to roll with someone in, in class and to, um, sort of go through the motions as it were, even when you spar in a, in a class environment. I mean, the guys at the Roger Gracie Academy where I train are, are monsters a hundred percent, but they're all incredibly controlled. And then when you think like, okay, no, we're going into this competition now and you get to take the lead off and you just get to go because you know, what's the, what's the old moniker tap, nap or snap, right? That's yeah, the, yeah. the yeah. you know, that's, that's what you're, that's what the, yeah. the, the aim is, right? You're, like if I've got you in a rear naked choke, my aim is to is to choke you unconscious. Mm. And if if we're in class and you and I roll every week, well, I'm probably not going to choke you unconscious. Mm -hmm. I'm probably going to put it on. You're probably going to know that it's on. You're probably going to tap. Mm -hmm. If your ego gets in the way, then you're not. Mm -hmm. But again, that kind of like gets spread out of you as, as time goes on. But I feel like there's a, a gear shift that, that happens when you take it to competition. Definitely. And, you know, like I got, I was in a, uh, what's the, what's the term of a round what? robin? No, it was like a it, it was like a like a knockout to a secondary pyramid competition. Repechage is that the? Ooh, never word? Had, I never had that word. Maybe. So <laughs> neither did I until I got there. Um, <laughs> I I was in my first fight. Um, got knocked out. I was I fought first of the whole day. Okay. Showed up, put the gi on, weighed, and and they were like, okay, on the mat you go. And I was like. Huh? What? And that's was one of the reasons why I was like, I just can't get myself up for this. So I was a bit slow, a bit sluggish. Yeah. I got knocked out in the first round, but then you kind of go into uh, the third place competition. So all the winners progress up, and then that's the decision of like gold and silver. And then all of everyone that gets knocked out at every stage goes into a second competition okay. to eventually have one ultimate winner for bronze. Right. Yeah. And that was how the kind of the competition was structured. Um. So I got knocked out in the first round and I was like, oh man, like, I don't know if I'm up for this. Like, okay, whatever. And then they called me in for the, my first round of the, of the knocked out competition for bronze. Um, and like, to, like took the guys back, got him in a, got him in a collar choke. Um, but he was belly down. So I couldn't see him. So I, when I put the, when I, I only got, couldn't one, see his face. I couldn't see his face. Yeah. Um, and I got, I got, I got one hand in for the choke. And as I came across, I couldn't get my second hand in, so I didn't think it was on. Yeah. So I was kind of like maneuvering to 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 finish as we're kind of like told to finish, and because he was face down, he wasn't reaching around to tap me, so he was like tapping like way out on the mat, and I couldn't see him. Yeah. Because of because of the position of our bodies, yeah. and then like the ref is kind of like kind of like pulling you off, and I, I whenever I I got off this guy, he was obviously like like you know, and I thought like. Oh my god like i felt i felt terrible yeah i felt so awful and i think once upon a time i'd have probably been like yeah yeah that's man. that's it yeah. and i and i just didn't i just didn't have any of that in me anymore mm. and i think yes probably exactly what you said like we become a little bit more nurturing like you're moving mm. towards the age where you could consider yourself to be like a father or a father figure to 100 percent to a lot of people and yeah. you know we are we're lucky in the sense of what we do for a living. You know, you are in a field that allows us the opportunity to be sensitive, 
and to be self-aware and to realize that stereotypical masculinity is not the be-all end-all mm-hmm. the the lessons that were that were passed on to us or the kind of the archetypes that we would have seen when we grew up are not the archetypes that kids today will see growing up and i feel like there's always a li- there's always a little bit of it boys are aggressive mm-hmm. like full stop you know like there's there's something in it like you see a playground and boys are running around and hitting each other and like throwing rocks and and like sticks and like whatever else and like we were even when we were having lunch before we came here there was a, a table next to us like a mum was sitting with her two sons and the kids had the chopsticks out and they were like trying to poke each other in the eyes with them or whatever <laughs> else and like you know yeah. like I don't know if necessarily you would see little girls trying to do that to one another. Yeah. I think there's there is something like inherently a little bit aggressive Definitely, with, yeah. like with boys. They love that sort of like rough and tumble, rough housing. Yeah, like that rough housing, and, and that's actually a big part of growing up. And yeah, it, sh- it should be. I think I agree. And then I think when once you kind of get into the stage of puberty, that sort of like alpha edge takes over the the combination of ego and whatever it is that leads you to. Um, being that maybe that little bit too aggressive or a little bit too proud of your uh, of your physical prowess or your aggression um and then we almost kind of come out the other side of that and once you start to become a little bit more self-aware and a little bit less ego focused and a little bit more comfortable with yourself because ultimately it's that right mm, it really is yeah it's when you're in your early 20s you're not comfortable with yourself no, you're trying to prove a point exactly you're trying to really because uh, i know what that's like to try and be to not be seen as weak mm-hmm. yeah definitely to be um, tough and jiu-jitsu does can give a young man that but um, yeah it's a really it's a man this is a topic that really interests me um, I'm conscious of oh crikey Weird. <laughs> um, I, I have quick fire questions for you Chris. okay um, favorite city and why New York uh, because I love the bustle and the excitement of a big city and um, that I don't actually live in perfect that's funny you said actually. So, yeah, anyway, I'm not supposed to respond. First ever job. I was a cashier in a casino. Person from history you wish you could take to lunch. Um Stephen Hawking. Ooh, good one. That's a good one. If you could travel back in time when you were eighteen, what advice would you give yourself? Uh I would probably advise him against a few things that he may may consider to do down the line um i don't know just i would probably just say go with your gut okay yeah yeah that's that's good things people get wrong about you um i have a i have a very serious face so people assume that i'm quite a uh, an intense character and actually i'm not i'm a huge joker so yeah. uh yeah, people get that wrong about me all the time that's a good one last question if you weren't a yoga teacher what would you be if i wasn't a yoga teacher what would i be i think i would probably still be involved in in movement in some way i would i would imagine i would be a coach of some way shape or form some respect or the other thing i would love to do is i would like to be the voice of uh like cartoon animated uh, characters in, <laughs> yeah. in films like yeah like disney pixar because i i trained as a professional actor way back when and um yeah i love doing accents and voices and stuff like yeah. that so yeah so i would imagine that I, I would find it quite entertaining to do like 
there know, you go. The, vo- the voice of the new Pixar dog or, or something like that. That's definitely <laughs> the most interesting answer I've had for that one. Yeah. Yeah, you <laughs> Cool, man. Chris McGee, thank you very much. Thank you. Mate, that was great. And there you go. We get in deep all the time. So, um, yes, one more time in case you forgot. 108 Asana Yoga Sequencing Cards by Ruth Delahunty at yogaru.ie. For the people that listen to this podcast, if you want to simplify your sequencing and help to bridge that gap between your studio classes and your home practice, visit Ruth's website, yogaru.ie. Put in the promo code Kevin to get a special 10% discount. And for everyone that supported me through my website, which I've been overwhelmed by, by visiting kevinboyyoga.ie forward slash support the yoga life podcast. Thank you so, so much. It's amazing to think that people will just donate money because they feel value from what I do. And um, there's more of this to come. This is only the beginning. Let's keep going. Have a great week.